Classroom Chats with Crystal, where my focus is on helping you further develop your teacher identity through question and answer. If you haven't already done so, please join us in our Facebook community, Classroom Chats, so that you can be a part of the conversations, the discussions, and receive the resources as we huddle in regard to all of the topics we discuss in the podcast. Our question for today is a tag from last episode, which is COVID, where do we go from here? I had the great opportunity to speak with Dr. Eugene Pringle in regard to how COVID is impacting the college classroom. During this conversation, we really focus on flexibility and how COVID is shifting teacher education programs in hopes of helping you if you're a new teacher or an experienced teacher who is in a circle with newer educators. So please enjoy this conversation. Good day, everyone. We are in luck because we have Dr. Eugene Pringle with us today. He is going to give us a little bit of information um, about his background and his experiences in education, but I do want to formally introduce him as an assistant professor at the Bethune-Cookman University. Um, He is a former administrator at the secondary level, and we wanted to talk to Eugene today, or Dr. Pringle today, uh, simply because we're discussing shifts. Last week, we spoke about shifts in the secondary arena, and I really want to spend a little time talking about what shifts we're we may see um, in the post-secondary uh, arena as well. Dr. Eugene, welcome. Hello, thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. All right, tell us a little bit about your background and some of your experiences in education thus far. So right now, um, as you stated so eloquently, I am an assistant professor um, at Bethune-Cookman University in Daytona Beach, Florida, um, where I serve as the department chair elementary education. Um, prior to that, um, my I am a graduate of Bethune-Cookman University. So after leaving the institution, um, I came to Orange County Public Schools, where I taught um, English language arts, um, as you said, at the secondary level. I was also an assistant principal in Orange County Public Schools, um, wrote curriculum, <laughs> wrote assessments, the whole gamut. Some of those things we were actually able to do together. Um, yes. And after that, I just decided that um, I gained this love for professional development. And so going back into higher education was the perfect opportunity to capitalize on that because I am training teachers. And so in that regard, it's like I'm doing professional development every day. So specifically in that role, I focus on um, language and literacy. Um, So I am actually responsible for teaching all the courses that grant students the reading endorsement in the state of Florida. Um, So that ties into my research agenda at the university, as well as the plight of the black male um, in teacher preparation programs at historically black colleges and universities. So that's me. All right. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. So as you said, you're responsible for uh, pretty much all of the coursework when it comes down to uh, reading endorsement, you focus on language and literacy, and you've had experiences at the at the assistant principalship level and now as the assistant professor. What shifts have you all noticed at the post-secondary level um, that needed to occur um, during, you know, the onset of the pandemic and even now as we're really trying to develop and fortify a plan moving forward? 
So one of the initial things that was um, really very evident was the use of technology. Um, I think going into this, there is a common misconception that current students, I won't say uh, millennials, we say millennials a lot, but we are past that right now. So you have your <laughs> Generation Z students that are college students now. And because they are a technological group of people, individuals in general, mm -hmm. you would think that going into digital instruction that it would be a lot easier, but it's not. It was actually a lot harder because in some regard, we were breaking down barriers because when we think technology for that demographic of students, we're talking more so cell phones, games, apps, mm -hmm. things like that, where when it came to the digital learning component, um, there was somewhat of a disconnect. The other part that ties into that, so now you have um, that digital shift on the part of the student, but in some regard, we also had that digital shift on the part of the faculty member. So you have faculty members that were not as comfortable or not as used to using the technology for the purpose of inclusively delivering instruction fully online. A lot mm -hmm. of people were comfortable in a blended model, but now doing it online, that was a lot. That was a major thing. Um, the other thing that came after that for me was really, in a sense, tracking, making sure students were there. You know, when it's hard to get in touch with students, what do we do? Um, so it taught me to be very flexible in what we were doing. And it taught me to understand that different people had different things going on. So I had to exercise a certain level of empathy and flexibility throughout this whole process. And this is all pre, before we even get into any instruction at all. This is pre-instruction. So... You really brought up a lot of interesting points, especially um, in the area of tracking students, as well as it being a major shift for both students and teachers alike. Um, there are a lot of teachers right now who are looking for strategies for tracking students, because what we found is that during this distance learning process, we did lose touch of some of our most fragile students. And as a result of it, we're left looking for ways that we can make those connections and to really track those students. So what strategy did you employ when um, really tracking your students? So I tried to be consistent as possible um, over the course of, um, I can't say the semester, but I can say um, once we made that shift to digital online instruction, so one of the things that I did was I ensured that my schedule for my students was the same every single week. So on Monday, we would have our virtual class sessions in which I would review comment uh, content with the students um, and go over the lesson focus for that week, which drove everything that would happen for the rest of that week. Every single week, they had one assignment related to the content focus and they had a quiz related to the content focus. Um, as time went on, and that was due every, those assignments were due every Friday. As time went on, one of the things that I noticed very quickly is that students were um, in and out. So I would have some students who would, you know, be on the virtual session, some students that may skip a few, some students that I didn't see at all. So, right. and just being flexible, I had to really think about, okay, what the reasons were. So the beautiful thing, we use the Canvas platform. 
the beautiful thing about Canvas is you can go in and see who's logging in, when they're logging in. So what I started doing was using my virtual class sessions. I They were mandatory initially, but then I got to the point where I said, okay, I will use those for those who need the extra support. So I had to change my methodology a little bit. So I used Canvas to really track when students were logging in. So my method simply became, if you are logging in twice a week and you are getting your assignments done, that's okay. If you're right. not logging in at all, how do I find you? How do I track you? Um, and with that, I also would host a Zoom session throughout the week, in the middle of the week, outside of class time. The purpose of that Zoom session was for those students who either needed reinforcement or who could not come to the virtual class session. It was a time for them to go right. in and really get the support that they needed as well. So I think my best friend was flexibility because it would have been very easy initially to be upset and, you know, trying to figure out mm -hmm. well, why is nobody coming to class? What's going on? And so I knew that the same way I was dealing with this, they were dealing with this as well. And by this, I'm talking about this pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, so I had to be very intentional about how I approach it. But ultimately, we got everybody on board. So that was really the thing, just tracking to see when students are working in the platform and those who aren't reaching out to them by any means necessary. Right. You mentioned flexibility. And I, I thank you for that, because um, as you mentioned, all of us are living through this pandemic. OK, mm -hmm. we're all in the same storm. We may be in different boats or in different ships, right, with different um, circumstances, but we're all mm -hmm. in the same storm. So it is important to to note that flexibility, as you put it, is your friend. Um, yes. Where we have to be sensitive to what's taking place in the homes of students. It was also refreshing to hear is that um, you all are developing strategies for the the very challenges that we have at the secondary level. Also, mm -hmm. um, so there might be some secondary educators who believe that um, we we lost children because of their ages the grade band that they're in, but it sounds as though even at the post-secondary level, there were some of the same challenges that we're working with. And it's important that we realize that in situations like this, this is something that none of us have lived through before, right? No. The last time we Right. It, we, we weren't born in 1918, right? During the Spanish flu pandemic. This is new for all of us. So just remaining flexible and being consistent are key to really just moving us through these shifts Absolutely. that will, I'm sure, continue. Absolutely. You mentioned, sorry, you mentioned earlier about uh, teachers and uh, students. What were some of the shifts, if if you know of them, like if you're able to collaborate with your colleagues or, you know, have uh, connections with them? What are some of the strategies that educators were using to make the shift in the post-secondary arena um, when they face difficulties? Because like you said, blended learning was something we were already doing, but now moving totally to distance learning in a blink of an eye, it, it brought challenges. What were some of the strategies used to? So I'm gonna back up just a little bit um, because specifically teaching, um, in a teacher preparation program, we know that um, education, current education, I don't like to say 21st century. <laughs> I have this thing <laughs> because we've been in the 21st century for 20 years. Right, I feel like when we life. say 21st century, that necessitates that 
we should still be doing things the way we did them in 2000. So anytime I say that, I'll pause before I change it. But (laughs) in a college of education or a teacher preparation program, you are preparing teachers. So Mm -hmm. a lot of the methodology is honestly the same way that is done um, in K-12. And by the methodology, I'm I'm not talking about content, but I'm talking about the processes. So the approach that I typically take in my classroom is I start my week with theory, theoretical underpinning, you know, Vygotsky, phonemic awareness, um, zone of proximal development. And over the course of the week, typically I build to practical application. So you know this thing, now let's look at it through the lens of practical application as a teacher in the classroom. So because our profession and it is so hands on, that part was tough. And that was one of the first things that we had to brainstorm and work through. So Mm -hmm. what was that going to look like for the teacher educator? What was that going to look like for the teacher candidate? What was that going to look like for the pre-service teacher? Right. So we really had to dig deep and figure out, okay, in this atmosphere, in this environment, how do we make meaningful experiences for our students? So some of those things, as simple as it seems, we used videos. So for me, I used videos when I was a teacher. <laughs> I used videos when I would do professional development. I used videos when I was a literacy coach. But what right. was different is the lens through which we had students view those videos. So these videos, it wasn't just let's watch something about the content. We had to go and find things that showed the application of all of these different concepts, all of these different theories um, to the point that you almost build a bank of these things. So that was one of the first strategies, really collaborating. And Uh even some of the videos, let's say I found a video um, that I'm using to teach my assessment and differentiation of reading course. I can share that video with the professor that's teaching curriculum and design so that students can look at that same video through the various lenses and start to make connections. So that was a big thing. And, and, and a, a common strategy that we used was just talking to each other. <laughs> Thank you. Um, really just talking and talking through things with each other. Um, things are so specialized when you get into post-secondary where, you know, when I was an English teacher and I had a PLC, I knew that sixth, seventh or eighth grade, we all were gonna be doing close to the same thing. So the conversation is a lot easier but talking to each other was one of the strategies that really helped us move things forward because we understood that we were all working through it together but i kept saying i said at the very beginning the day that they told us we would not be returning um i said to them i was like this is a blessing in disguise because it's going to force us to think differently Mm -hmm. about how we teach these students that are about to be teachers and it did just that and you know what? That's such a great point because you're in a great spot because my the next question I really want to talk about is how do we support new teachers on our team? Right. Or if I am a new teacher, how do I how do I receive support or what are your suggestions? But that's a good point because you all are in a, a seat where you can really prepare the educators that are entering yeah. into this field in a new era because these, these changes um, will be lasting. So. I think it's it's great that you all were able to really start to prepare them 
um, through their coursework, not only by through content, but because they're living through it as well. Um, yeah. that, that's extremely important for a new teacher. So moving forward, where, what, do, what do I do if I'm a new teacher and I am, I just got my first job, I'm walking in and you remember how it was when you first started teaching, uh, <laughs> Dr. Pringle, you remember where you already walk in the door feeling overwhelmed and we're looking at the possibility of having some students virtual versus some students um, being face to face hybrid models. We really don't know right now, but yeah. we do know that it's going to be an extra it's going to be an extra attention to this. So what advice might you give me if I was a new teacher or if I'm trying to support a new teacher on my team? So as a new teacher, um, just thinking about it and now understanding it from their side, I would encourage that new teacher and let them know that, hey, you are almost at an advantage where everybody else is at a disadvantage. And the reason mm -hmm. you are at an advantage is because you're coming into this fresh, you have not been boxed into a system. You have not mm -hmm. been boxed into a specific school culture and climate. So in that way, you are almost at an advantage because you have to learn everything at the pace that your now peers are learning it because this was not a thing. You know, it's different when we have the traditional way that we do K-12 and you're coming in and you're new to everything. This upcoming year is going to be pivotal for everybody because yeah. everybody is going to be on the same spectrum. Everybody yeah. is going to be learning the same thing despite how much content you know. Absolutely. You're, I'm with you on this one where you say that it's a blessing in disguise because yes. we'll start talking about a blessing in disguise. And the last episode from the secondary level with Lindy Ennis is that, you know, this put us in a situation where we needed to learn more. Yep. Um, there were new tools that we needed to learn to use in order in a different way because i know with me although i was as a instructional coach i was the one that rolled out you know the digital technology all of the professional mm -hmm. development but you know as we move into administration we use the tools but it just really at a different level this even, yeah this even put administrators in a position where if i want to visit classrooms i'm now visiting virtual classrooms where i need to learn how to um, get into those virtual classrooms review the analytics for the classroom and the, the teacher review the assignments and learn how to post digital feedback for students, not just, you know, teachers. And then even learning how to facilitate, uh, facilitate virtual classes and uh, virtual meetings with parents using a uh, form. So you're right. I would say that we, we have, so we have blessings um, in the midst of this pandemic. And when it comes down to new teachers, they don't have to, as you put it, unlearn something. They have a fresh slate and they're Absolutely. Right, next, right next to the veteran teacher who's also learning, who's also learning this with them. Yeah, it, it, I think it, it, it takes a lot more to, and not to say that the veteran teacher is unlearning behavior, um, because I know that's not the case at all, but you are talking about, um, adding something on to what you are already doing that's completely different that can be completely different outside of the scope of what you're doing and sure. again i think even in these these teacher preparation programs that's why it is so important to capitalize on the strengths of the students at this time because again 
they are these students that are technologically savvy. Now, right. if we can take that and channel that to classroom instruction and strategies and curriculum and pedagogy, how much more stronger could they be in that regard? So they may possibly be the people that are leading some of this charge. Right. Hey, I'm with you on that one. Um, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. They might there. It's just to be a mutualistic relationship as it should be anyways, where they might, you know, link up with the veteran teacher next door with help with content and even pedagogy. Because, you know, when we learn things in the classroom, um, when we get in the classroom, sometimes, you know, that's when learning um, is fortified and we yeah. begin to yeah. who we are. <laughs> Um, I start every I start every episode by saying, you know, I'm here to help you further develop your teacher identity because we have an idea of who we're going to be um, as a teacher. But when we walk into that classroom and we meet all 125 of our students, if we're at the secondary level, then things start to take shape. And yeah. I think even yeah. in this pandemic, um, that's where we're headed. Dr. Pringle, how can people reach you if they would if they like to? Are you on any social media platforms? So I am, I am on, oh, I'm on everything. So you can find me on Facebook, on Facebook. Um, my name is EJ, capital E, capital J, Pringle, P-R-I-N-G-L-E, like the chip with no <laughs> S. Um, that is how I explain it to people. You can also find me on Instagram at Dr. underscore trifecta, Dr. underscore mm. T-R-I-F-E-C-T-A. We'll have a conversation later about what that name means. And then I am also on Twitter. Um, I'm trying to get a lot more familiar with Twitter. I haven't used it a lot, but I know that I need to because that's where all the people are. So yes, I am also on Twitter um, at, at Trifecta Doctor. It's backwards. So I heard that. Really appreciate you chatting with us today. You gave us some great insight about where we're headed um, in the post-secondary level. And really, it's all applicable to every other level in education. So thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Thank you for tuning in to our conversation with Dr. Eugene Pringle. A few important takeaways from our conversation. The first being flexibility, flexibility, flexibility. We are all living through this pandemic together and through flexibility, we'll ensure that we all get through it together. The second important note is to really focus on the fact that there are some positives um, on the flip end of this pandemic, which is that we are now in a position where we are growing in areas that we needed growth. So whether that's distance learning, reaching out to students in authentic ways, or simply being available and flexible for students during a pandemic. We are all growing together and that is a positive side of this. Thank you for spending time with me here on Classroom Chats with Crystal.